Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We Ooh. hope you stay a while. <laughs> cute. That's cute. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think y'all are going to love this interview with Chriselle Lim. Chriselle is an incredible entrepreneur, but you're probably more familiar with her from her blog from the early aughts, The Chriselle Factor. She was one of the original fashion girlies, if you will. She leads the most remarkable life if you follow her on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. She has this amazing lifestyle that is so inspirational. We've known Chriselle for a while and we really wanted to get her on the podcast because she really is a force, not only within the fashion, but also the beauty industry. So she had her blog for the longest time, obviously was super popular on social. She launched a company called Bumo, which is a childcare service. It's expanding nationwide, but it's essentially a place where women can go and work and have childcare built in so that they're not so stressed out about it. But I think the most notable thing that she's done over the last few years is she became the founder and creative director of Fleur. And Fleur was a brand, I think, that you know, the beauty community was familiar with in a sense, but not on this level. And when Chriselle got brought in, it completely changed the game. She was able to take fragrance and make it something that people aspired to have or at least wanted to try just from social video alone, which is a very, very difficult thing to do. We get into this in the episode especially with the launch of Missing Person. I remember thinking I absolutely needed to have Missing Person because Michaela on TikTok talked about how this fragrance made her feel. And fragrance is so tied to emotion that over the years, people have been trying to figure out how to make the common beauty consumer want to try different fragrances without being able to smell it through the screen. If smellovision existed, <laughs> it might be a different story, but it's been a notoriously difficult category to nail. And Sarah and I both know this from experience. So the fact that Chriselle was able to come in and kind of change the entire strategy around how people talk about fragrance is something that is commendable in so many different ways. So Chriselle is also just very vulnerable. She's very forthcoming with what's going on in her life. She went through a divorce. She has two children. She's going to touch on that. If you need to pick me up or some inspiration, I think you're going to absolutely love this episode with Chriselle Lim. I'm so excited, Kirby. I know you are, so am I. (laughs) (laughs) We have the one and only Chriselle Lim on Los Angeles. Oh my goodness, you guys, I'm excited. I've been listening to your guys' pod 
for a while. I feel like since you guys started. And so it's such an honor to to be here. So thank you for having me. Girl, you're killing it. You're absolutely killing it. We are thrilled to speak with you. You're just such a fascinating personality. And we can't wait to learn all of your secrets. I mean, I'm going to dish them all here. <laughs> I'm like glad that we waited a little bit to have you on, because if we would have had you on when we started, we wouldn't have be able to have this fragrance conversation yes. and how you've just taken the world by storm with your perfumes, which, by the way, I'm wearing Tangerine Boy right now. It's my Amazing. current fave. I'm wearing it too right now. It is, it, it's just like a really juicy, like happy fragrance. So, oh my gosh. And I'm such a citrus person, but I love that there's like so much warmth to this. And I wrote about it for Refinery too. But it also reminds me of something my mom used to wear. And I need to ask her what it was. But I think all of your perfumes do that. Like they really just hit this point of nostalgia. And you're like, I don't know what it is, but it just reminds me of something so good. Thank you. That That is the best compliment I could ever receive. So thank you. Of course. All right. So we like to kick things off with what's on your face, Chriselle? I literally just did my makeup in three minutes. Hence the reason why I was a little late here. But I'm going to share with you guys what I quickly put on. I'm all about kind of maximum results for minimum time because I don't have much time. I'm sure you guys don't either. So as far as foundation goes, I go back and forth from two foundations and that's Armani Luminous Silk, which I'm sure all of you guys have tried at some point. And then also Clote Pobote, they have this beautiful foundation, which you actually use your hands. They suggest that you don't use a brush and you just like melt it into your skin. I'm all about no brushes because I'm just, I don't know. I'm all about just like doing it fast in the car. Concealer, I have this one from NARS, Radiant Cream. It's kind of like their bestseller. I am Cafe Con Leche. That's like my color. And sometimes I don't even use foundation. I just use this guy and I'm good to go because it has good, good coverage. And I am breaking out. I have a lot of hormonal acne on my chin that you can't see, obviously, in video. But once I have my makeup off, you could see it, you could feel the texture. So it's it's not the cutest thing, but I feel like this does a good job of just concealing that without having too much makeup. This one was actually an accidental purchase because I was desperate to find a powder because I forgot my powder while I was traveling. And some sales associate suggested this. It's by, I, I'm going to say it wrong. It's KGD. Do you guys know how to pronounce that? Is it Kogendo? Oh, Kogendo. Yes, Kogendo. Yes. So I've never used their products before. And she said that this is an incredible powder, but it also works as a foundation. And I have to say, like during Fashion Week, I do all my own makeup. And this has been the best powder I've used because I'm always a little bit cautious of the light reflecting off my skin. And then sometimes powder makes me look too white um, with the reflection, with the flash. This powder, I like, I'll use forever. It's so good. Their brand is so good. And I feel like you would love their foundation as well. Oh, I need to try it. Yeah, I have not they have tried like it. their moisture foundation. I was, I went on a trip to Tokyo with them like years and years ago. And like, it was just, it was one of the best trips and all of their stuff. If you like the powder, you would like the rest of their stuff too. I'm like hooked now. Okay, another thing that I've been using is this guy from Sunny's Face, which I don't know if 
they are available in the States. You guys probably would know better than I do. The lips are this product, I don't think is, but please share. This is called Face Glass. And it literally is just aluminizer, but it's one of the best aluminizers I've used because it really gives you that kind of glassy skin because I think I want to have that glassy skin look, but I hate how it looks in photos because my job, I'm behind the camera a lot. And so the question I always get is like, how do I get that glassy skin look, but still matte down, but still like really luminizing in certain areas on your skin? So between this powder and this, I'm able to achieve kind of that matte but glassy skin look. So that's what I, what, what I use. It's incredible. I want them to bring that to America ASAP. I know. I love their brand. I have it too. And I like it because it's not super, super highlighty. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not a, di- you're not a disco ball. It just makes you look dewy, like where you want to look dewy. What else? Anything else? Three more things. Clody Po Beauté liquid liner is the best because it's double-ended. I know that those of you that are listening can't see it, but it has a brush tip and a tip tip. So the tip tip is to like wing it out. So it's really easy to do. I cannot tell you the amount of like liners I've had where I can't create that like elongated wing. And this I'm able to do within seconds. So this is my go-to eyeliner. And this one is a weird one, but I don't know if you guys heard of Upneek. Oh my God, I love Upneek. Kirby's like Chriselle. an ambassador. <laughs> no, truly. Like <laughs> I, I actually have ptosis, Chriselle. I actually have it from like when I was born. And so I, I put it in um, this eye. I put it in my left eye actually to help open it up. I'm not wearing it today, but I cannot live without this prescription. <laughs> Same. It's insane because for whatever reason, I don't have ptosis, but... Um, I do have like weakening eye muscles and my doctor was like, you're like, this is going to be a problem as you get older because your muscles are only going to get weaker and weaker because it takes me a lot of effort to like open up my eyes. So they prescribed me this and it actually helps a lot. So those of you that don't know what it is, it's a prescription eye drop and it how does it, I don't even know. How, how do you medically describe this? Like I had trouble figuring this out as well, but it, it essentially just very, very minimally opens the eye a few millimeters of the eyelid to allow more light in. So like when I use it, I actually can see better. Like my peripheral vision is so much better on my left eye because it's so heavy on this corner that it just, it's the slightest little opening truly it is a godsend product for me. <laughs> it is too. Like I never, especially at night for me, because for some reason my eyes close even more at night. And mm-hmm. obviously with events, I do a lot of night events. And in photos, I end up looking really tired when I'm not. And so this actually has temporarily solved my problem. Eventually I'm probably gonna have to get surgery for it, but this has temporarily solved my problem of like being able to open up my eyes a little wider. <laughs> What are your thoughts on surgery? I actually was talking to one of my girlfriends who had a brow lift. It was such a subtle thing that she did. And she she said she did it because she felt like her eyes were getting heavier. Like it made her feel more tired. So I'm curious for you, like, what are your thoughts on things like cosmetic surgery? I'm all for cosmetic surgery if it's something that makes you feel good. And I don't want to shame anyone that does it or is against it. Everyone has their own opinions on whether they think it's right or wrong. 
for me, I always believe that surgery is a better route than continuing to inject your face with fillers and Botox because even though the first few years you don't see it, it all goes somewhere, right? And eventually it's gonna, there's some sort of outcome or aftermath to it. And so I always believe that if you can get surgery, obviously there, it's a lot more difficult than injectables because you have to take time off. It costs a lot more, but I think long-term wise, if you're able to get a facelift and not have to do Botox anymore, in my opinion, I think that's a more long-term, healthier way to look at it. I actually wanted to ask as part of like what's on your face, like what are some regular treatments you get? Is there like a go-to facialist that you have here in LA or like a favorite laser? You guys, K-Town is where it's at in LA. It is not the nicest. I will not take my bougie friends to K-Town because it can scare them a little bit. Where where would you take us? So I go to a place called Cleopatra in K-Town. I hope after saying this, they're not going to be booked up because I've done that before with my microblading girl and I can't even get a freaking appointment with her anymore. So yes, I'll go over all of that. I get my microblading in K-Town too. So I go to Cleopatra and so I do get Botox twice a year, usually on my masseter because I have a very wide face and also I clench my jaw so tight that I continue to get that. But the problem is because I've been doing that for so long, I've been doing that for probably eight years, getting Botox on my masseter. It just doesn't work anymore. And that's the reality of Botox and fillers, maybe not fillers, but Botox. It's like in the beginning, it's great because it's new, but then if you continue to do it, your body gets used to it, your face gets used to it. So it's not even effective anymore. And so that's something that I'm figuring out what to do. I haven't really gotten Botox in a while because of that reason. But with that said, I do go to Cleopatra and I get this thing called the soft wave. Have you guys heard of soft wave before? No, for your hair? It No, it's, it's pretty much in the same family of what is that really intense laser um, that people do. Oh, like a CO2 laser? No, it's not a laser. Sorry. Like an IPL? It's, no. Microdermabrasion? Morpheus. Is it like is it like radio frequency where it like heats heat. up the face? Okay. But there's this one and I don't know the name of it. It's really popular for kind of the I would say like 50 plus. L therapy. L therapy. Okay, okay. Yes. Okay. So it's in the same family as L therapy. I never gotten L therapy before because I was I don't think I didn't think that I needed it. And plus I just heard some horror stories of how painful it is. But Softwave is essentially the same pain, but it targets more so on the surface. And what it does is that it's a really, really, really strong... Again, I'm not going to try to go into technical terms of this because I, I don't necessarily know the right terms, but it kills your kind of your first layer of collagen. And so it has to rebuild it, right? And so you don't actually see the results until three months later. And for me, immediately, I felt that my texture was softer and different and it felt really nice. I think it's my third month in now and I feel like my my face is a little lifted. I haven't gotten Botox or fillers in a very long time. And I feel like that's kind of replaced that. But one, it is very expensive. I think it's around $2,800, but you only have to do once. They suggest once a year and there's absolutely no downtime, which is great. 
but it is very, very painful. <laughs> right. Do they numb you or anything? They do numb you, but with the cream. So essentially you could still feel everything. In my opinion, the numbing is just like, it helps maybe a little bit, but not too much. What is the pain from, feel like, what does it feel like? It feels literally like a knife is just stabbing you deep into your skin but it's quick so it's like but it's quick it's quick so you're like ah and then it's over and then they and it's that for about 40 minutes girl you're hardcore man i i tried to do that on my body and i i wimped out after one session i was like f this i can't do it it's too it was too painful but you're talking to the right audience because we and our listeners would definitely be down to try There's something really weird about me where I feel like the more painful it is, the more effective it is, which is probably not the healthiest thing to view. But that's the crane in me. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. Give it to me. Oh, man, you must have been really good in childbirth. Just a tough mom. Yeah. I like just push the baby out, which caused other problems because I was like so strong that I tore Okay. Um, because I was too strong. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll sidebar. I need your advice. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah needs to discuss this with someone because she's trying to decide if she's going to do a, a quote unquote natural birth, as they say, or a C-section, right? Yeah. Cause I had, a, I had a C-section with my first because she was super breech and I had no option. So, and it was great. Like recovery was great. Everything was great. But that, you know, doctors are suggesting I do a a VBAC, which is the vaginal birth after cesarean. And I'm just so nervous that I'm going to tear. Yeah. I mean, my biggest advice is don't get too much of the drugs because that's when you can't feel anything. Right. And that's when you're just pushing as hard as you can and not feeling it. And then you'll tear. But if you could feel it and you do natural or even just a teeny bit of drugs, then you could actually feel the movement and understand if like it's too fast or too slow or what whatever so oh my god yeah. I just love Chris I was like I was too strong <laughs> I was too strong and I couldn't feel anything down there so I was oh just my like god. okay that's really good advice out. I think my sister actually had similar advice where she was like do this but don't do this drug so yeah. okay noted so let's dive in thank you for sharing all of that by the way that was like one of the best wives we've ever had Oh, so good. Thorough. Sorry. I, <laughs> I I get off tangent sometimes because I get really excited about products and stuff. So. No, you got me excited for this soft wave in the future. Oh, wait, I'm not done. I also get microbladed in K-Town from a girl called Hera, H-E-R-A. And she also microblades my hairline. And that's like a thing for me. But I have to say it looks great the first three months, but it disappears after three months. So naturally, the more oily it is, the faster it'll disappear. You know, people have to see if it's worth it for them to pay that much to get the hairline. For me, it is because I do regularly upkeep it. And it makes a big difference for me. Again, with photos, I have like a five head. So it like minimizes it down to like maybe a forehead after that. I fucking (laughs) love you. You're so funny. All I can like, I'm just like, God, your skin's so smooth. That's all I can, like, I'm not even thinking no, about. I just yeah. keep looking. I'm like, oh my oh, God, thank glowing you. for the gods. Thank you. I am dealing with hormonal acne, but I, I use a lot of like Biology P50. I use that religiously. Is clinic, IS clinical active serum. I put that on my, like my hormonal acne and that, that kind of calms it down. So that's it guys. Now we can move on. Good rest. <laughs> no, I love that. Love that. Thank you. Um, okay. So 
listeners know you're one of the OG fashion influencers, but you also founded Bumo, which is a really cool co-working space that offers childcare. You know, you still have your website. You had a fashion line, you know, before, which I still have some of your pieces and I, I can't wear them right now, but I wear them all the time when I'm, I have no bump. You've done so many things. And then you made this pivot into the fragrance world. Can you share how that came about and like why you decided to dip your toe into perfumes? Yeah. So it definitely wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't part of my roadmap of what I thought my life and my journey would look like. I am a serial planner. So I love having like a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. And a fragrance company was definitely not in that roadmap, but it was probably one of the best things that has ever happened to me. And I think that just proves to me that as much as you try to plan your life, which is important, you have to leave room for just random things that can happen and you have to be open to them and you can't stick to your plan so much. So I got the opportunity to own Fleur with Ben, my business partner, about I would say a year and a half ago, that's when I met Ben. He was already ready to acquire Fleur, but he contacted me saying that he wanted to do it with me. And to me, I was not sure in the beginning, to be frank, because I never considered myself as a fragrance girl. I wore fragrance every single day of my life, but I never considered myself as a fragrance expert or a fragrance girl. And so I told him I needed some time to think about it. And during that time, I was going through the biggest change in my life, which was my divorce. And I was really in a position where I wanted to pour my emotions and heart into something. And so I kept thinking about what if I could tell my stories through these fragrances? What what if I'm able to create something that will move people emotionally? Because obviously I already had my other businesses and there was no room for me to tell my stories with these other businesses. So I looked at Flora as an opportunity for me to create stories, really. And so eventually, about a month later, I, I told Ben, yes. I was like, yes, I want to do this with you. And he always believed that fashion and fragrance go hand in hand because, I mean, there's no doubt that like any big fashion house has a fragrance, right? And so it just shows you that it evokes a certain mood. It kind of is a topping to the end of your amazing outfit. It allows you to feel a certain way. So it's no different than getting dressed. And so he knew that he wanted me to be his partner because I was such a fashion girl. And so that's kind of how it all started. And our very first fragrance, as you guys know, Missing Person went super viral. And it was simply because, you know, first of all, there's no formula to going viral, right? Like that is also not, was not part of our plan. But I would, I just so vulnerably shared my emotions through this fragrance, which was missing someone that you loved, right? Missing a big piece of your life, whether it be an ex-lover, whether it be your best friend that moved away, whether it's your mom that passed away, whatever that might be, everyone has a missing person in their life. And I think because the story was so relatable that everyone understood what heartbreak and pain and missing someone smelled like, they became curious about 
how missing persons smelled because you guys have to keep in mind when we launch, it's not like you were able to go to any store to test it out. It was purely D to C. It was just on our website and that's it. And so people were purchasing missing person just through the ability of storytelling really and understanding how these emotions felt. And that's really how missing person went viral. People started posting it on TikTok, spraying it and crying and saying that if it smells like love and heartbreak, it reminds them of their grandma that passed away. And it was seriously the most radical thing I've ever experienced in my the 15 years I've been a content creator for. I've never seen anything like it. And we ended up having a 200,000 person wait list for fragrance that no one has ever smelled before. And so that was pretty phenomenal. Before we jump in, because you you touched on a few things that I do want to go deeper into, but for those who haven't been able to smell missing person, what are the notes? What does it smell like? Like, what can they expect? Well, missing person, what people all say about missing person is that it has this strange, nostalgic smell, and they can never, ever understand why it smells so nostalgic. And I think the answer to that is because it's skin musk. So the skin musk is a top, top layer. And because of that skin, because it is a skin musk, it lays differently for everyone's skin, right? So it literally smells like your own skin. It smells like you, but a hundred times better, if that makes any sense. So when people first smell, they're like, this is so weird. It smells like me. It smells so so familiar. And so I think that's the main, main reason for this whole nostalgic element. It has bergamot nectar, sheer jasmine. So it does have this floral opening to it, but also muskiness to it. And then the base is sandalwood, um, it has Australia oil, blonde wood, white musk. So it has a musky kind of base. So even though it opens up bright and more florally and lighter, it ends on more of a musky base, which is quite unexpected. So we've noticed that a lot of people that like that love floral also love missing person, but also people that love muskier scents love missing person as well. And I think it's just a very, I don't want to say safe because it's different. It's unique and you wouldn't ever call it safe, but it's for everyone. And that's why it has like this well-roundedness to it that almost everyone that smells it loves it. There are a few people and, you know, obviously as you get bigger, there are going to be people that are like, this is not what I was expecting. And obviously we got a few of those just because it went so viral. I think the people that are into very heavier scented fragrances, missing person might not be for them because the whole concept of it is that it's like your skin, but better. It's like your lover's skin, but better. So Sarah and I both used to, well, she works at Refinery, so she probably does this still. When I was at Pop Sugar, we were always trying to figure out how to sell fragrance. Like when fragrance brands would come to us, they would say, okay, we want to throw money at you to create videos to sell our fragrance. And the biggest hurdle to get over is how can you make a scent sexy without being able to share that scent through a screen? It's a very difficult thing to achieve. So as you mentioned, you know, in your tenure of content creation, like you had never seen a response like this 
period, but let alone for fragrances, it is a huge feat that this created such a demand for this brand because I ran out, I ran to Sephora and they had a sampler left. Like literally I was looking up, okay, where can I get this? It was sold out everywhere. And then I saw there was one sampler left. So I went and I bought that. It was the last one on the shelf. It was hiding behind another brand. I'm like, I hit the jackpot. (laughs) And then when I saw you at the Summer Fridays event a couple months later, you were literally passing out (laughs) the roll, like it's like the rollerball version or like the like tiny spritzer version of different fragrances that you just had hiding in your purse like you were Santa Claus. I was like, oh my God, this is the best day ever. But I remember that moment, Kirby, of like, even just like that, like couple weeks or a month where like no one could get it. It was the only thing that people were talking about at every dinner party. It was nuts. And then like Michaela posted it and then it was just all over TikTok. So yeah, I just, it was like summer, right? Okay. First of all, if you guys ever need floor, you guys need to just hit me up. Even though it's sold out, we have a secret stash here. So it's, you know, yes. you guys don't need to scramble at Sephora. Okay. To sell hotline. Thank you. Love it. Thank you. Love it. No, but I, we say all that just to kind of let the listeners know, like this was a very different monumental thing that happened. And we even talked about it when it happened on our news episode, because we had never seen anything like this. We had never seen people, especially, you know, TikTok has done so much for the beauty community for better or worse. But like, I think one thing they've done really well is get people on their fragrance game and get them to actually want to try fragrances without even having to smell it first, you know? Also young people too, because like- right. Younger people don't typically, you know, they're not like spending their money on that, you know, they're buying maybe like makeup and expensive foundation and stuff, but fragrance is not something. And then my 16 year old niece asked me for it. And I was like, that's so crazy <laughs> that you even care or know, you know? Yeah. What were you wearing when you were 16, Chriselle? Like I was wearing Love Spell from Victoria's Secret. I think I was wearing like Juicy Couture Viva La Juicy or something like that. Or maybe Clinique Happy. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was another staple of mine back in the day. But yeah, you guys are right. I mean, it was something that we've never experienced that I think the beauty community within fragrance has never experienced. And I think it was great to actually showcase to the beauty industry, really not just the power of TikTok, but the power of storytelling, right? And I think everyone just kind of relies on the fact of like, oh, if they can't smell it, they can't touch it, it's going to be a really hard sell. Yes, there there are challenges, but there are ways and solutions to really overcome that. And you have to kind of get outside of your typical marketing box of what you would usually do. And so when it came down to even the mailer, right, we were very, very thoughtful on how we wanted the the influencer or whoever was receiving the gift to perceive it and to open it and have it kind of be part of the storytelling element. You know, influencers, obviously, they get gifted left and right. You know, I'm me being one of them. I just know that you have to stand out in order to really, because we don't have budget. We didn't have budget to pay anyone. Um, and so we're like, okay, we have a little bit of budget for the mailer. What can we do for the mailer that's going to be special, but nothing too, you know, grandiose? We don't want to be wasteful. We also want it to be a special moment. So what we did was because the whole concept of missing someone that you loved, in my case, a lover, right? And so we got a men's t-shirt, my very favorite men's shirt that I have multiple of in my closet from Frame. 
and we spritzed missing person all over it. And we sealed it into like a little package bag. So right when they opened it, it's like a whiff of missing person that just came at them. And that in itself, it wasn't a crazy mailer. It was just that simple. It was like a little package. They opened it up and they just smelled missing person. And instantly right there, they knew exactly what the story was about, right? It smelled like your boyfriend's t-shirt. And so I think just being very thoughtful of all the little elements of you know, the TikToks that we were creating to the messaging, to the gifting, all of that, everything was really thought out and not just doing it to do it. I think a lot of brands are like, oh, we have to do this just because everyone's doing it. So yeah, I mean, it was a great practice for us. And, you know, my business partner always says we can never, ever rely on virality, right? And so that was just kind of the icing on the top of the cake. Um, and luckily, thankfully, it was our very first fragrance that went viral. So everything else that we launched after that, there was this sudden FOMO effect that people weren't going to be able to get their hands on it. And so it just created kind of this domino effect of people continuing to sell out Fleur because of the first fragrance that we launched sold out so quickly. Yeah, it is amazing. It's And it, I love hearing you talk about the storytelling aspect because you're so good at it. What is the key to finding somebody's signature fragrance. I'm curious how you found your signature fragrance and what advice would you give to listeners on how to find theirs? I mean, I think when it comes down to finding your signature fragrance, I think signature fragrance has kind of taken on a different meaning now than what it used to be because I think signature fragrances back in the day was like you stick with your one fragrance all year round, maybe at a daytime and a nighttime one. But I think our generation, and especially the younger generation, it's more of having kind of a closet of fragrances, like a fragrance collection. And dependent on your mood, that's how you figure out what you want to wear. So I think the term signature fragrance is, I mean, there are fragrances that we gravitate more towards during the day versus night. But I think that term is not as relevant anymore. But if you're trying to find the fragrance that you wear the most, that you are attracted to during the day, like going to the office, I think you have to really understand the fragrance families and not on a deep level of like the science behind it or whatnot, but you have to understand, okay, do you like something more fresh and florally or do you like something more woody, right? And that's literally knowing like the difference of, okay, what kind of music do I like? Do I like hip hop or jazz or, you know, whatever that, that is. Right. And so just understanding what you naturally more so gravitate towards. And then from there, it's, it's a matter of figuring out what sits best on your skin, because sometimes, you know, you might want to love something, but it just doesn't work well with your skin. And so, for us, we have several different scents that cover the different categories, but yeah, you have to spend some time with it and figure out what that is. For me, my signature scent that I wear all the time during the day is probably Missing Person, mainly because it's a lighter scent and I don't love to smell like I'm drenched in fragrance when I'm in the elevator or when I'm in the meeting or on an airplane, especially because I fly a lot, Missing Person is actually a really great scent to wear on the plane because it's very, very light. But then Apricot Privé is also my signature fragrance because it's 
just sexy and juicy, but it's a lot stronger. It's like the opposite of missing person, right? So it's really hard for me to say one fragrance is my signature fragrance. And I don't think anyone really has to limit themselves with just one fragrance. It's a matter of, okay, if I want to feel sexy, I'll wear apricot prebate. If I want to smell clean and just like delicious skin, natural, missing person. If I want to smell more like woodsy and like fiery, somebody would. And so... Yeah, I think it's just more about understanding the families and just testing it. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Everyone should have their wardrobe, fragrance wardrobe. Fragrance wardrobe, yeah. I love that it's a thing now after the, I feel like after TikTok, everyone's talking about like their fragrance wardrobe, which is exciting. Okay, so like you mentioned, you've been creating content for 15 years, which is crazy. You've been this public figure for so long and have gone through all of the different trends and different platforms, and, you know, from blogging to Instagram to TikTok and all. What are your thoughts on the current state of the influencer? There is obviously talk about like de-influencing on TikTok right now because people have just had it. There's all the drama of people who are not being honest influencers. And so, you know, you've been able to withstand all of the drama and the changes. Um, What are your thoughts? Because you are definitely like, OG. I don't think you're going away anytime soon unless you want to. But what, yeah, what's your, what are your thoughts on this current state? (laughs) Sometimes I want to. Sometimes I'm like, no, I was going to say, like, are you ready just to be like, bye, peace out? (laughs) Sometimes, like every day, sometimes. (laughs) Daily basis, 12 p.m. every day, you're ready. Yeah, sometimes. But, you know, I at the end of it, I am, even though I have all these businesses, I think the core of me is a creative. And as long as I continue to be creative in whatever field I'm in, I'll be in my happy place. And as of right now, it's still content and Fleur and all my other businesses. But yeah, I think I think one thing that I've learned being an influencer for the past 15 years is that you can never get too comfortable, um, no matter how far along you think you've made it, because it's such an ever-changing landscape. Within seconds, it'll change. You know, we've obviously experienced the transition from Instagram to TikTok, and then two, three years after the pandemic. Like for me, after the pandemic, I went to my first fashion week and I was like, wow, like literally I don't recognize anybody because the it influencers become the it influencers overnight via TikTok, right? And that just shows you that you cannot rely. And I've always preached this, even in my early days, is that you cannot put all of your eggs in one basket. Even for the big TikTokers, right? If you look at the really, really big TikTokers, yes, they might have 50 million followers, 100 million followers, right? But the relevancy of them goes away so fast as far as within the fashion world. If they all want to get into fashion, like you'll all of a sudden see one person at every front row one season and the next season you're like, where are they? And so you have to follow one the trends and be adaptable and be open to trying new things, even though it is a pain in the ass, always adapt new new media outlets and such. But two, also follow where your passion is. Because I think 
when it comes to influencers, I think for them, it, it feels like, oh, I have to make it in fashion now because I have this huge following and I want to go to all the fashion shows and they'll do it for one season or two seasons, maybe three, maybe a year, but then they'll stop. And the fact is that you will never, ever make a consistent name for yourself in the fashion world if you're in and out like that, even if you have a million followers, right? Sorry, a hundred million followers, right? I've been doing fashion week for, I don't know, I think it's on my 10th year now. And I do all of them. I do fall, winter, spring, summer, all the coutures, which is two coutures. And it's a lot of freaking work. Yes, there's a lot of glamour to it. I get to dress up in designer clothes. Like, but then that's that's literally like six six times a year, I have to fly myself out, go to all the shows, take the time away from my kids. And it's a commitment that I've made, but it's also because I love it. I love fashion so, so much. And it's something that I show up for, even though I'm so, so tired. And now when I go to shows is that I become a regular, not because I'm the super popular girl and I have the most followers. No, I not at all. It's because I keep showing up and I am consistent and people know me that at every season I'll be there, right? And I think that's how you stay relevant in certain industries that you want to make a name for yourself. It's not necessarily about how many followers you have. It's about your passion and just keep showing up. And I think that's my my number one thing is, is just keep going. And then also the other part that I, I was talking about, which was being adaptable and nimble with these new platforms and not putting all of your eggs in one basket. Yeah, I think what's interesting is, you know, you have longevity in this industry and it'll be interesting to see how maybe this new crop of instant fame influencers, how they take that opportunity and either create something long-term or not. I think that Alex Earl, a lot of people are obviously talking about her right now because seemingly she became famous overnight. But I thought it was interesting because I didn't realize this. She had been posting makeup tutorials since she was a freshman in college. And she said like, nobody watched them. People would DM them to each other from her (laughs) college and call her cringe and stuff like that. And she was kind of like, just be cringe. Like if you, if you're passionate about something, just be cringe. And she Mm -hmm. did, she did it consistently for so long and like, look at her now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I always tell people that you work in the dark and people will only see the highlights, right? But you consistently work in the dark. No one needs to know about it. I was talking to somebody and I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Like fashion week is just like, oh, like it's too much. Like, why am I still doing this? But then this person was like, well, if you just follow what you do, it looks beautiful and looks glamorous and you need to keep it looking like that because that is the aspiration that people want, that that is what people desire to have. They don't necessarily need to know how hard you worked in the dark, even though, you know, sometimes I do appreciate that. But yeah, I, I believe that success is not about luck. It's it's about how many hits you you've made, how many times you've missed that no one knows about, and eventually you'll have your moment. I'm glad you say that because Kirby and I felt the same way too. I mean, we have the same thoughts too, where it's like, oh God, I wish we could just like do something else. Yeah, and look at you guys. You guys have like the most one of the most popular beauty podcasts now. I mean, that's mm, incredible, right? And you guys also have the name and the credibility behind your editor titles and what you guys have been doing for so long. And yeah, but 
people that listen to this podcast probably know that, but like new people, they're like, oh, how did they get there? They're so lucky. We have been busting our ass for 10 plus years. I always say this to people. I'm like, this job was not glamorous when we started it. It's like, we didn't know that this would be at the end of it. We didn't know like fun press trips and beauty samples were like even a thing. We just loved beauty. Yeah. See, exactly. Just like follow your passion, which sounds so cringe and cheesy, but it's so true. And also just keep going and you'll eventually have your break and your hit. It just happens that way. That's how the world works. Like there's no way that you could keep doing it for like 10, 20 years and not have a break. Like everyone will get their break as long as you keep trying. Consistency is key. Okay, Chriselle, we are coming up towards our speed round. But before we get into that, you've done it all. If you are listening to this episode, you know everything she's done. We don't need to go through the entire her entire resume. So we're curious, what's next for you? Do you have any ideas simmering? Do you have something like what can you share for what's next for Chriselle? One to three to five year plan since you already have it. I don't have anything that exciting to tease, just to be honest. I wish I did. I have a lot of new juice scents coming out, um, which is very exciting. And also new product lines within Fleur, like categories that we haven't launched yet that um, that might be launched by the time this episode goes live. So hopefully you guys will know by the time this goes up. But besides that, you know, for me, it's all about being smarter with my time. I am a mom of two. I run multiple businesses. Like on the outside, it might look like I'm superwoman and I do so much. But on the inside, I feel fucking crazy sometimes. I, I feel like I'm doing way too much and something has to give, right? Obviously, when it comes to the kids, I just, I, I wish I could be more present. I'm spending more time with them. In the long run, I'm hoping that they'll understand. So for me, it's not about adding more and more and more and trying to add on more exciting projects. It's, it's really to continue the growth of what I've already built and see the success of them and build something that has longevity. So I'm not constantly working and so tired all the time. You know, I, I will always be a content creator. I love creating content. I'm going to be one of those women when I'm like 60 years old shooting my outfits because that's just who I am. I love doing that. And I think there's a market for that, obviously, with our generation. But being able to not do so many sponsorships, I, I feel like I've dialed that down a lot with kind of all my businesses. But I think that's something that is a, a big goal of mine is just being able to focus on my few companies and my kids and my well-being. I think that's the most important part. Speed round time. What is your go-to fragrance for a date night? Apricot Privé. Oh, I love Apricot Privé. I love it. I love it so much. So sexy. So, so sexy. And what's your go-to for an important business meeting? Uh, missing person. What was your favorite show from Couture Week? Victor and Rolf. Did you guys see it? Yes. Yes. It's so, so fun. It was so fun. Some, I think it was Daya Prada that said that they wanted to see some of those at the Barbie premieres that will be happening. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That'd be really, really cool. That would be pretty epic. I think that would be awesome. I hope to see that too. I loved it. It was Victor and Wolf and probably Scaparelli. Scaparelli, I, I have mixed feelings about the animal heads that were faux, but I think it is glamorizing kind of that. But I, I still really enjoyed the show. I just love that people were, yeah, having fun with it again and like making art 
oh my God, Doja Cat. I was sitting right across from Doja Cat and I just, I, I couldn't with her look. It was so crazy. <laughs> Especially if you have, what is it called, Kirby, when you, the tiny, the fear of holes. I can't even say the, the, yeah, I can't, I can't even remember the actual word, but my fear of holes was activated looking at her, but then I couldn't stop looking at her because I was fascinated by how many Swarovski crystals she was wearing. And then she, people were harassing her for not wearing eyelashes with it. So then she wore faux eyelashes on her face. I love like her. Like as facial hair. I, I'm obsessed with her. It was so funny because those were my two favorite shows and she happened to be there. I was like, this girl is killing it right now. She, I just want to understand like how her team works. It's Is it like, okay, let's figure out a look where we will get everyone talking. So let's just go with this idea. Or is it just something that she loves? Like, because she just loves doing out of the box things. I don't know. But I was so fascinated by all of her looks during fashion week. It reminds me of Gaga, like early days of Gaga, you know, where people were constantly commenting. She was always doing kind of like these gimmicky things, but I kind of agree with you. I feel like Doja is a little bit, I want to know what her team is thinking too. Cause it's like, it feels like it's actually a personal thing for her. Like, it seems like she loves doing it. And it, but she's also like funny. So it's like, she's like in on the joke, you know, it's not like she's taking herself too seriously, but then she's like seriously in it, like sitting in the chair with Pat for hours and hours. Well, and the funny thing is she she plays a part too. So when I saw her at Victor and Rolf with the mustache, with the eyelash mustache, she kept like, her eyes were like so wide and she just kept looking around like she was paranoid or something. And she was like that the whole time. And I don't know, she just kind of puts this theater, theatrical act on, which does remind me of Gaga, but she does it more of like in a joking way with her community, I feel like. Totally. Oh, it's amazing. So we know that like vanilla has been having its moment. Rose had its moment, you know, fragrance wise. What notes do you think are going to be big in 2023? Oh, gosh. As far as notes goes, 2023, I would say I'm going to go with skin musk, mainly because I feel like missing person got everyone talking. And a lot of people are so fascinated by how to create something that doesn't smell like fragrance, but like yourself. So I would say skin musk would probably be my biggest bet. Because I I feel like with, with fragrance, it's kind of the same notes all the time, just blended in different ways. But skin musk is something that not many people has have used successfully for like really hit big fragrances. And I feel like people are really kind of curious about it now. All right. What are your tips for properly applying perfume? Oh, okay. So never rub your skin. I think that's the biggest mistake people always make is they apply it on and then they rub. You could rub it after it settles on into your skin. So wait a few minutes and I like to shake it in the air And then if you feel the urge that you have to rub, then you could go ahead and do it because it messes up the chemistry and the the notes and you have to let it sit. For me, I like to put it on my points. Again, there's no real way to do it, but I like to add it onto different points. I also add it into my hair just because I feel like now that I have long hair extensions, people are always like getting a whiff of you actually like pass by them. So I always spray it in my hair. I always do it here. I also do it on my neck. But yeah, just don't rub immediately. 
Ooh, I'm a rubber. I know it's hard. It's like, it's kind of like how we learn to spray fragrance, but you can rub, but you just have to wait, let it sit and then you could rub. Good to know. Okay. Last question, because you are fashion girly. What are three wardrobe staples everyone needs in their closet? A leather jacket. It can make any basic outfit look super cool. I think a pair of really good baggy jeans. I don't know if it's a staple or a trend, but for me, my baggy jeans are a staple. And it doesn't have baggy. It could be wide. I love a good wide leg as well. And then I would say a good strong shoulder blazer because when you go into a meeting, it's one of those looks that you look strong and powerful in and confident, but it also looks super cool with jeans as well. And so my favorite blazer that I have that I wear all the time, again, you don't have to buy this. There's many other affordable items, but my Saint Laurent blazer is by far my best purchase and my most worn because of how exaggerated and strong the shoulders are. I just feel so confident immediately. But also like the Frankie shop um, has really great blazers, oversized. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. This was such a fun convo. I learned so much and you're just incredible. Thank you guys. I'm so excited that I got to be on and got to see you guys again. And yeah, thank you for having me. We love you. Where can everybody find you online as well as Fleur? So you can find me on all platforms at Chriselle Lim. And then you can find Fleur on Instagram at Fleur, P-H-L-U-R. That's our show. Thank you for listening. Follow us on all platforms for announcements and opportunities at Los Angeles Pod and join our Facebook group to share your own reviews. Los Angeles was created by Kirby Johnson and Sarah Tan. It is a part of the ACAST network. Our episodes are mixed and edited by Roxy Flo and Stacey Abarca. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.